0: Chapter 27 Verse 1 When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away, and delivered him to Pontius Pilate the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought again the thirty pieces of silver, to the chief priests and elders saying i have sinned in that i have betrayed the innocent blood and they said what is that to us see thou to that and he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself here's a picture of a man who has willfully sinned and as a consequence of that isn't able to be redeemed his conscience pricked him he repented himself from verse 3 once he had seen the lord was going to be condemned and yet he still wasn't going to be forgiven he wasn't going to be restored like peter was he must have known that by betraying the lord into the hands of these religious fathers that the Lord would be put to death he must have known that and yet he seems almost surprised that the Lord is now going to be condemned he's going to be put to death he couldn't live with himself now Peter wept bitterly and was restored but Judas no doubt wept too but wasn't restored he even takes the money back to the high priests to somehow appease his conscience and they say we don't want your money take it away Hebrews says that if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth there remaineth no more sacrifice for us the we there in the context is of the Jews here Judas was a Jewish disciple he sinned willfully He betrayed the Lord. He couldn't therefore be redeemed. Also remember please from John chapter 6 that Judas was a devil. And devils cannot be saved. Angels that fell cannot be saved. But the church become the sons of God. In a sense those of us that are born again. Become the sons of God. We replace, as it were, the fallen angels. Angels cannot be redeemed, but mankind can. Here, Judas, as I say, was in deep remorse, deep despair, and yet he could not be reconciled to the Lord. His judgment had fallen, and he had fulfilled Bible prophecy. So he goes and hangs himself, and acts chapter one says he went to his place i.e hell even through foreknowledge even through middle knowledge even though god is sovereign yet judas chose to do what he did and he will be held accountable for that at the great white throne six and the chief priests took the silver pieces and said it is not lawful for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood and they took counsel and brought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in here you find people that are more in love with their religion than the lord god and here they are following their tradition quote unquote rather than mourning the suicide of a man judas may have been an apostle of the lord and yet he was a jew he was one of jacob's sons and yet here these chief priests the religious elite are more content in following their rituals and their tradition than they are following the Lord with their hearts circumcised and again this goes back to my previous points which I mentioned in chapter 6 where these religious fathers, these reverence, these professors, these doctors have this external righteousness which is looked up to by the typical man and woman in the street and yet the hearts are filthy they are dead man's bones 8 wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day then was fulfilled that which was spoken by jeremy the prophet saying and they took the thirty pieces of silver the price of him that was valued whom they of the children of israel did value and gave them for the potter's field as the lord appointed me personal pronouns again jeremiah writes this five six hundred years bc matthew cites it and says prophecy has been fulfilled just a quick point back to verse three before i move on judas says that he has betrayed the innocent blood even at the 11th hour judas knew that the lord was innocent only jesus was without sin and we are saved by our faith in the precious blood of christ without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins he had to shed his precious blood on the cross in order for us to be saved and after three days god raised him from the dead we are saved by our faith in the precious blood of christ and by his dying on the cross in our place so just a quick footnote to mention because sometimes people get a little confused about how we are saved and i just need to make that point crystal clear that it is the precious blood of christ that saves sinners 11 and jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him saying art thou the king of the jews and jesus said unto him thou sayest and when he was accused of the chief priests and elders he answered nothing then said pilate unto him hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee and he answered him to never a word insomuch that the governor marveled greatly interesting here because in john's gospel the lord affirms that he is the truth and pilate says what is truth a rhetorical question But in reality, it goes right over his head. Here, the Lord isn't even going to answer, Pilate, or the chief priests. Apart from verse 11, thou sayest, you say it, you got it right. But uh, these men are under the judgment of God. His mouth is firmly shut. 15. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas, or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. Pilate was a shrewd, cunning governor of Judea. He understood perfectly well what was going on here. This man had been around the world many times. His wife was the daughter of Caesar. So he didn't suffer fools gladly. But he's also a career politician. He wants to progress beyond Israel. He would like to go back to the Senate if he could. And maybe possibly one day even become Caesar himself. But here he knows perfectly well that the jews had delivered the lord through envy 19 when he was set down on the judgment seat his wife sent unto him saying have thou nothing to do with that just man for i have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him this is fascinating again through middle knowledge judas had the opportunity to either betray the lord or not and he chose to betray the Lord here the wife of Pilate Claudia we believe her name was says to Pontius have nothing to do with this just man don't get involved I've had a bad dream this night she's warning him about what is going to occur and this fascinates me because again it puts the emphasis on man even though the Lord has ordained Jesus' death let's read on 20 but the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus these people these hired thugs are trying to drum up support from the crowd they want Barabbas a murderer to be set free instead of the Lord Jesus Christ depravity with a capital D is found here clearly like verse 3 Judas must have known that through his betrayal the Lord would be put to death and at the 11th hour he panics when he realises that he can't reverse it and here 20 the chief priests must have known that for Barabbas to be set free the Lord would be put to death an innocent man but again man's heart is desperately wicked And even more shocking is these men are in religion organized religion and of course we are not surprised but for those that are in organized religion for members of the laity and i wonder what they would think if they were witnessing their own church fathers their own reverence doing something similar to this would they forsake their organized religion or would they stay i believe they would stay but uh, that's another subject for another day. 21. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, let him be crucified from 19 he's under conviction when the Lord said that he was sent from God and was the son of God that terrified Pilate because Pilate was a superstitious pagan who believed in many gods so for Jesus to stand in front of him and say I am the son of God must have sent shock waves through his system also, the Lord doesn't even try to have Pilate free him. He stands there, content and willing to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. Something Pilate had never seen in his life. You can imagine all of the criminals over the years standing before Pilate, and nearly all of them screaming and pleading for their lives. Whereas the Lord just stands there and says, You have no power unless it was given to you from heaven what a statement indeed but here Pilate in a sense is trying to buy time he's trying to turn the mood of the people this crowd that are baiting for blood he's trying to find a way out he's trying to please the religious elite quote unquote, and the people he's really a politician in many ways and politicians promise many things to many people and in reality they deliver very little and the minority are the ones who get what they want and the majority are overlooked on many occasions but here Pilate, as i say is trying to buy time he's trying to appease the crowd and they say in 23 let him jesus be crucified 24 when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather atonement was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. 24. I am innocent of the blood, the precious blood of Christ. Verse 3. Jesus was innocent. So here you find Judas affirming that Christ is innocent and here in 24 Pilate affirms that Jesus was innocent even the centaurian at the foot of the cross says behold he was a righteous man he was the son of God how can it be that people that aren't even saved are able to see that Jesus was innocent and yet the religious fathers the Jews the chosen race for the most part they couldn't see it it was foretold jeremiah spoke about this isaiah spoke about this the prophets saw what was going to occur jewish prophets there is no anti-semitism here the bible all 66 books were written by jewish men so anti-semitism is impossible also from 24 you find Pilate washing his hands That's very symbolic. He's trying to undo what he has just been found guilty of doing, i.e., putting an innocent man to death. He thinks by washing his hands he has absolved himself of the Lord's soon execution. But again, Pilate is going to be held accountable for this because he was told in 19 by his wife not to do it, and yet he did it nonetheless even though scripture said he was going to do it he will still be held accountable for it like judas iscariot it is a paradox i appreciate that but nonetheless it's what the word of god tells us and therefore pilate and judas and also the high priests will be held accountable for this act of treason on behalf of the jewish people because the lord was jewish It's treason because they should have known the scriptures. They should have listened to their Jewish Messiah. And for Pilate, it is a travesty. It is a mistrial of justice because Pilate was there to uphold the law. And he buckles through pressure from the Jewish people, the high priests and the crowds that are now baiting for the Lord's blood. Look at 25. Then answered all the people and said his blood be on us and on our children for those of us that are saved we want his blood we need his blood to be saved and we need his blood to make it through every working day of the week we are saved by his precious blood but for the unbelievers found here they are speaking with contempt they are blaspheming The Lord's precious blood. In Acts chapter 20. Dr Luke says that. We were saved by God's blood. God's blood. Who hung on the cross? Jesus Christ. Jesus is God the Son. Deity. Not God the Father but God the Son. So when Dr Luke tells us. In Acts chapter 20. That we are saved by God's blood. That means that the blood of Christ is precious and sacred and divine. Here these people are saying with contempt that they want his blood on them and their children, and they are going to get it. They are going to get it. 26. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe and when they had plaited a crown of thorns they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying Hail King of the Jews. Just picture this for a moment. Christ is the second member of the Trinity. He is eternal. He is without sin. And at a point in eternity, the Godhead create the universe, they create time, and Jesus Christ enters the human race in time and volunteers to go through this mockery. when we sin against god only god himself can forgive us here the lord has become a human being and is being treated with the utmost disrespect savagery humiliation and degrading mockery it's bad enough that the jewish people are saying let his blood be on us and on our children in other words let us be cursed that's what they're saying that's bad enough it's bad enough that he was betrayed by Judas in verse 3 it's bad enough that the wife of Pilate from 19 warns him not to do it it's bad enough that Barabbas, a criminal, a killer, a murderer from 26 is released that's bad enough, all these things are bad enough but here to strip the Lord, to put a crown of thorns on his head To scourge him to whip him to mock him these things are totally unacceptable but they're not unforgivable and this goes back to the amazing grace of God most people read the New Testament and some of those people have watched the Passion of the Christ and they weep and they weep, and they weep. They see this great man who never sinned, who never did anybody, any injustice, being tortured to death. And they cannot understand why that would occur, how the great Roman system could allow a mistrial of justice like this to occur. But it does occur because it had to occur. And yet even here, these soldiers, who are having a laugh, who are getting a cheap thrill, should they repent like the centaurian did? Should they believe on Christ like Nicodemus did? If they were truly turned to the Lord, like Joseph of Arimathea did, they too would be saved and forgiven. Please remember that the Lord Jesus Christ knew what was going to occur before it occurred. This is nothing new to him. He knew this was going to happen. And yet. As the son of man. He is in great pain and agony. But as the son of God. He knows that this is the only way. That mankind can be saved. And reconciled unto God. It cost him everything. To save us. And by his grace we are saved. Simply by believing on him true genuine faith total faith in what he did for us that's how we are saved there are no works involved we come as we are and we cry out to him to be saved people say that's cheap grace grace is free grace is a gift it's not cheap it cost him everything as i'm showing you here let's continue on please verse 30 and they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head and after they had mocked him they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him and as they came out they found a man of Cyrene Simon by name him they compelled to bear his cross And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof he would not drink. And they crucified him, and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, they parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation written this is Jesus the king of the Jews. I must just stop there. 25 the word crucifixion or crucified is where we get the word from excruciating from. Excruciating clearly means an awful amount of pain which is really undescribable. It's true that the Assyrians predating the romans by several hundred years had a type of crucifixion but the romans perfected it totally perfected it and this was the ultimate deterrence that the roman empire would use against anybody who would dare question their authority by this stage the lord is really moments from being nailed to a cross we know that he hung on the cross for six hours and he was naked that was again The ultimate level of humiliation that the lord of the universe took upon himself to do for us we came into the world naked we leave the world naked also nakedness is a picture of shame it's not natural for a man or woman to walk around the streets naked or to be seen naked by anyone other than their spouse a couple of other quick points to mention if i may by 31 The romans have removed their own robe and put his own raiment on him i guess that's a type of dethroning him perhaps and by 37 again here's more contempt from them they put over his head a plaque this is jesus the king of the jews in hebrew greek and latin again wanting to mock him and to humiliate him and also to infuriate the jewish leaders 38 then were two thieves crucified with him one on the right hand and another on the left luke tells us that one of the two thieves got saved and i believe that that particular thief may have seen the lord's ministry previous to being nailed to the cross and believed on the lord and yet like most people his sins caught him up and He's now paying for his crimes against the state pre his new birth. 39 And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple, and buildest it in three days, save thyself, if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Even the man and woman in the street knew that the Lord told them that he was the Son of God. They heard him preach the gospel. They heard him affirm his deity. And yet here they are behaving like reprobates. 41. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. They won't believe him. They had no interest in believing him right back to chapter 2 when the magis arrived in Jerusalem they didn't go with the magis to worship the newborn babe the newborn king and yet out of their own mouths they are condemned because they have just affirmed that he healed others that he helped others that he saved others and yet he cannot save himself these people are going to be held accountable for this Forty three, he trusted in God let him deliver him now if he will have him for he said I am the son of God again these people are condemning themselves 40 times the new testament tells us that he was the son of God 80 times it tells us that he was the son of man all of Israel came to hear him Many came to be healed. For three and a half years, it was possible that nobody would be sick of any disease, of any ailment, of any illness, had they come to be healed of the Messiah. It was possible that everybody living in Israel at that time could have been saved had they had the faith to come to the Lord to be saved but man loves darkness rather than light I am the son of God 43 yes he said that and I've heard ex-Christians quote unquote that have written books and made DVDs and have travelled the world making a lot of money off Christianity I might add and these so-called ex-christians quote-unquote say that jesus never said he was a son of god and yet here unsaved people are affirming that he said he was a son of god 44 the thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth look at that carefully the thieves plural which were crucified with him cast the same in his singular teeth The two thieves, one believes, one doesn't believe. Also remember that the Lord is on the cross for six hours. But here it says the thieves, plural, and then it says cast the same in his teeth. So really, Matthew is focusing on the unbelieving thief. 45. Now from the sixth hour, noon, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour, 3 p.m. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani?" that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? My God, not my Father, but my God. Jesus, as the Son of Man, is now standing in the place of sinners. And sinners are forsaken by God he that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him he tasted death for every man here as a son of man he is calling out to God and saying why have you forsaken me not as the son of God he doesn't say my father why have you forsaken me but my God why have you forsaken me 47 some of them that stood there when they heard that said this man calleth for Elias the reason they've said that is from 46 the Lord is speaking in Aramaic and this is one of the few occasions in the gospels where the Lord spoke in Aramaic and it has been written directly into the Greek New Testament no transliteration matthew has simply taken the words of the lord from aramaic and put it into greek and here i'm reading it from the king james bible and my pronunciation may be a little off i will say that now but here he is simply saying to us this is what the lord said in aramaic hence why the people at the cross didn't quite understand what the Lord had just said he's also in great pain and they misunderstand Eli for Elias but he's actually calling on God himself as I say Jesus was a Jew he spoke Hebrew he spoke Aramaic and of course he's God so he created the language of the world anyway but here they think he's calling for Elijah and again just shows me how lost and deluded and deceived, these people actually were. 48. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. They're still mocking him. Contempt is incredible here. This man is nailed to a cross. He's naked. He's been humiliated. He's been up all night. He's had to drag his cross through the bloody streets of Jerusalem. And yet these people, are still mocking him it's almost impossible really to understand 49 the rest said let be let us see whether Elias will come to save him the level of sarcasm here the level of contempt is still building it just shows me that these people were completely lost in their sins They were completely blinded by the hatred of the Lord. And yet after his death, burial and resurrection. Peter gets up and preaches and 3,000 get saved. The Lord's mercy, the Lord's grace, the Lord's forgiveness is incredible. And yet here we are still feeling the level of resentment that the Jewish leaders, the people felt towards jesus christ let's read on 50 jesus when he had cried again with a loud voice yielded up the ghost and behold the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Only Matthew refers to this picture of the rapture. These are Old Testament saints that believed in the one true God and were in the ground awaiting the resurrection. And here they are resurrected and they walk around the city and they were recognized by the people too. Also, remember at the transfiguration where peter james and john recognized moses and elijah which for me proves that when we go into glory we too will recognize the greats that went before us but here these people are being resurrected in judgment as to what has just occurred and also from 51 the veil of the temple has been ripped right in half from the top to the bottom again judgment the temple is the house of god but jesus said he was the lord of the temple and here this should be evidence in and of itself that god is now turning his attention from the temple being a physical building to the temple of the holy spirit meaning each and every one of us that are born again have the holy spirit living within us and we are the temple of god 54 now when the centurion and they that were with him watching jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done they feared greatly saying truly this was the son of god amen to that mark's account says he said that he truly was a righteous man well in fact he said both he said he was a righteous man and he was the son of god let me just say this very briefly if i may if four people were asked to write about the same event four people would write about the same event in four different ways matthew is here focusing on the lord's deity i.e he truly was the son of god whereas mark is focusing on his human side he truly was a righteous man mark's audience is different to matthew's audience but the truth of the matter is that the centaurian said he was truly a righteous man and he was the son of god so there's no contradiction there there's no contradiction in any of the bible but when people try to approach the bible with their own human intellect that's when problems occur 55 and many women were there beholding afar off which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of James and Josie, and the mother of Zebedee's children. There were other women too, but here Matthew highlights just three women. These ladies were faithful right up until the Lord's last moment on this earth. They didn't desert him but the apostles did, all but one, John. And only in John's gospel does he tell us that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was at the cross. Matthew, Mark, and Luke omit Mary. And there is no reason to read anything into that other than John, the apostle, adopted Mary to be his mother, and therefore he wanted to write in his gospel that she was at the foot of the cross like I say four people asked to write about the same events are going to write about that same event from four different perspectives and here Matthew is highlighting Mary Magdalene Mary the mother of James and Josie and the mother of Zebedee's children nothing wrong in that whatsoever 57 When the evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. A very brave thing to do, by the way. 59. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulchre and departed, to keep the body preserved, of course, and to keep any unwanted parties out. Sixty-one, and there was Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulchre. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember, that that deceiver said while he was yet alive after three days i will rise again once again they are condemning themselves they knew what jesus had said they knew what the old testament said he would say and what would happen to the messiah and here they are going to try and overthrow the will of god let's read on 64 command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people he is risen from the dead so the last error shall be worse than the first why would they do that? what would be the point? these apostles are all going to be put to death for their faith over the next few decades and yet the heresy continues to go out that Jesus married mary magdalene and off they went to the south of france to live happily ever after if that was the case why were the apostles murdered for their faith why didn't they also join the lord in the south of france here these people these religious people these so-called church fathers are trying to stop god from resurrecting his son after three days and they are going to use this Poor excuse, this poor suggestion that somehow the apostles are going to come and roll away the stone and steal the body and proclaim to the ignorant world that the Messiah has been raised from the dead. It's completely ludicrous, but again, man is totally depraved. He is totally at odds with God. His heart is desperately wicked and he is an enemy of God through his wicked works. But that doesn't mean he cannot. Understand right from wrong, that doesn't mean his conscience is so seared that when he does wrong he doesn't realize it. No, it simply means that until he is born again, the things of God are foolishness to him. 65. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as ye can, take your guard with you. The temple had their own guards, and of course, Pilate had legions. Of Romans that he could deploy at a moment's notice. Here, they want Pilate to dispatch his guards to the tomb. So if anything goes wrong, Pilate's guards will get the blame. And they do, of course, not the temple guards. And for me, this really underlines the tragedy that they actually knew what was going to happen they knew that the lord would be resurrected after three days and yet they hated him so much they just couldn't bring themselves to accept that so how better to allow romans to be present and when he comes up out of the tomb after three days they can blame the romans for not being there to stop it again it shows me how cunning these people were at this moment in time 66 so they went And made the sepulchre sure. Sealing the stone. And setting a watch. You've now got an armed guard. Standing by watching. It would cost them their lives. If the dead body was stolen. It would cost them their lives. If there was a prison break. And here these men are going to stand. Outside the sepulchre. Of the dead carpenter for three days and I've already said that he went into the ground and he came up on the first day of the week being Sunday and I'm not going to get into the day he went in but all I will say is he went into the ground and no matter how futile it was to try and thwart his resurrection no matter how deceived and deluded and obscene it was to try and thwart his resurrection he came up out of the ground after three days the first day of the week being Sunday the day that we meet to break bread Sunday is the first day of the week it has always been the first day of the week and even to this day if you travel to the Middle East the first day of the week is Sunday and no matter what Herod or Pilate or Caiaphas did to try and stop his resurrection it was all going to be completely futile they couldn't stop it because god is all-powerful and it says in john 2 that jesus raised himself from the dead in galatians 1 the father raised him from the dead and in romans 8 the holy spirit raised him from the dead man cannot thwart the triune god and yet here they're going to try and we will see what happens in the next chapter